It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 794 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, September the 28th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got tons of stuff for you covering all of the big four sports going on right now. The Stanley Cup final could come to an end tonight. If you want to go listen to Lockdown Lightning and Lockdown Stars, go tune in there. There's also the baseball playoffs kicking off. If you're a Blue Jays fan in particular, AJ Andrews has you covered with Lockdown Blue Jays. Go and listen to that before they get their playoff run started. It might be short, but hey, they could surprise. Baseball's weird. In three-game series, anything can happen, and uh, the Jays are going to need some many things to happen. Either way, uh, let's get to today's show. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. You're going to get 10 bucks off. Your next order, more on Built Bar a little bit later on. All right, on today's episode, we are taking a slight deviation from the last three days and what will be the next couple of weeks on the podcast as we continue our player-by-player reviews of the 2019-20 season. Um, but there were some rumors floating around and some uh, overzealous Raptors internet folks getting very excited about a certain free agent who apparently there are some ties to the Raptors. I don't really know where it's coming from. I don't know why it's coming from anywhere. It's all very silly. And uh, we're going to talk about it. And that player, of course, is Montrez Harrell, who is one of the bigger free agents on the market this, this uh, offseason. I keep wanting to say summer, but it's very much not the summer. Uh, of course, from the LA Clippers, he just won sixth man of the year. And apparently he's tied to the Raptors through uh, various rumors around. Um, we're going to dive into the validity of that kind of rumor mongering. We're going to talk about Montrez Harrell as a player. We're also going to dive into reasons why 
it might be a good idea and also some reasons why it definitely probably is not a good idea for the Raptors to pursue. And joining me to do all of those things on today's podcast is, I believe, a returning guest on the show from uh, back in the day. I, I think he's been on before. And, I think uh, so. I yeah. think so. The voice you're hearing is, of course, Lucas Han of 213 Hoops. How's it going, man? It's going pretty well. I mean, ever since I found out you guys were taking treads from us, I've just been beaming. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing great. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we're going to dive into that and the sort of the negative downside for Raptors fans and perhaps the uh, growing mass of Clippers fans who are ready to boot Montrez Harrell at the door after what took place in the postseason. Obviously, he was uh, a big, uh, big, big fat minus against the Nuggets in the seven game lost in that series. And had he not played, there's a very good chance that Nuggets actually don't come back and win that series. But that's besides the point. We'll get to that in a little bit. But we should probably start off like reasonably positive, Lucas. And I kind of want to get into just sort of like a Coles notes on Montrez Harrell, the player. I know Raptors fans are probably familiar with his work. He won the six man of the year award. He was on a big time team. He averaged nearly 19 a game this season, seven boards, 1.7 assists, uh, played about 28 minutes a game and was quite good and has been quite good for the Clippers for a couple of years now. Of course, he was on that super fun team last year as well that uh, went to six with the Warriors in the first round. But for maybe those who don't watch him on a night to night basis, what is Montrez Harrell as a player? How would you sum him up? Yeah, it's interesting. I think probably the most common comparison you'll hear for Trez is Kenneth Fareed. Um, and I, I actually think that that's really unfair to Trez because what Trez does um, really well, and this is, this is true, like I'm very critical of him, but I 100% believe this. He is one of the best interior scorers in the NBA. He is so good within five feet of the basket, whether he's rolling to the rim and finishing finishing on the offensive glass. He has a variety of floaters. He can face up in the mid post and blow by a bigger guy off the dribble, either for a running hook shot or finishing with dunks. I mean, he is legitimately not just like an energy gets dunks, runs the lane guy, but a tremendously skilled interior scorer. And I think that that is the thing that for everything else that he does on the court, that interior offense is what makes him so valuable. It's what made him valuable to the Clippers in the regular season this year. And he legitimately, the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard doing his load management, Paul George missing a lot of the season coming back from those shoulder injuries and some other absences that they had, they would not have finished second in the Western Conference if it were not for how good Montrezl Harrell was for big stretches of games in carrying their offense as an elite interior scorer. So I think that that really needs to be said out front. Yeah, the that's bad totally news fair. is that there's not much else good there. <laughs> he's a very below average rebounder for a center. He's undersized for a center. He's not only a bad defender in terms of his positioning um, and, and, and that, but he's also a lazy defender. He planks a lot of plays where he kind of lunges for steals out of position and then leaks out to try to start a fast break instead of either recovering to try to block a shot or help his guards get a rebound. Um, And offensively, as great as he is inside, he is not going to score from further than five feet away from the rim, which can be a problem against good lengthy defenders that are a little more focused on him than maybe your average, you know, Wednesday night in February second unit lineup that he's going up against. That totally makes sense, and the defense thing in particular definitely checks out when you realize what took place and when you watch what took place in that seven-game series. Um, 
You know, the interior scoring, I think, is certainly something the Raptors could use. I mean, we saw Marcus Gasol forget how to score uh, basically from everywhere on the floor throughout uh, this season for the Raptors and the bubble in particular. And he has not been necessarily a good finisher inside ever since the Raptors acquired him. And obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with him. We'll talk about Marcus Gasol another date uh, about sort of what the future looks like for him with the Raptors. But that's definitely an element the Raptors have not had in a while. Uh, you know, Serge Ibaka can be a good role guy, but obviously he's more at home being a pick-and-pop guy, whether for those 18-footers or for threes that he hit at 40% this season. And you kind of want him doing that if he's going to be around long-term, or I guess, you know, for next year. We have no idea um, with all the different weird ramifications from COVID and all that stuff, what the cap's going to look like and how that's going to dictate what these guys want and what the Raptors want coming into this offseason. But that's my, my point is the scoring would be certainly handy. It'd be nice to have a pick-and-roll partner for Kyle Lowry or Fred VanVleet who can actually finish around the basket who can finish a lob i don't know if i've seen a raptors uh center finish a lob in uh i don't know how long <laughs> it's just been a skill they haven't really had a lot of since like bismack biombo frankly and even he was uh kind of prone to missing bunnies as well to the point that raptorsrepublic.com had a missed bunny counter that season so it'd be kind of a new thing for these parts and you know, I, it's funny that Kenneth Freed thing comes down. I, I agree it's not a good comparison because I don't think Kenneth Freed is necessarily uh, good or nearly as good as Montrez Harrell. It is funny, though, because uh, the, the comparison does work in terms of them both being guys that are, are erroneously linked to the Raptors. <laughs> That's just a, a thing that always took place with <laughs> Kenneth Freed, even though it never made sense. And I don't really think the Montrez Harrell to the Raptors thing makes a ton of sense either for a bunch of reasons. We're going to get to that in the final segment of the show. But before we get to that, Lucas, I want to dive into some reasons why it could work and how it could work financially for Montrez Harrell. You know, this is a guy who's going to probably make a ton of money on this contract considering what he just did, or maybe not because of COVID. And maybe that changes the market. We're going to get into sort of those factors and ways in which it actually kind of could make sense for the Raptors to pursue in just a second. But first, I want to tell everybody about DoorDash. Right now, you got a lot of local restaurants that are just barely hanging on and you you count on them. You want them after whatever is going on now. Once it's over, you want to be able to go back to those restaurants. So you should be giving them your patronage today. And DoorDash makes that super easy. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. You can open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery as well. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. DoorDash deliveries, again, are now contactless to keep communities that they operate in safe. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of 15 bucks or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's 5 bucks off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code locked on NBA. Don't forget that's code locked on NBA for five bucks off and free delivery on your first order with DoorDash. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
All right, Lucas. So yeah, let's sort of humor those who are Trez heads uh, for a second, at least those from Raptors internet who are very excited by this possibility. Um, I, would, I would like to share, I think someone uh, shared a tweet with me yesterday or just paraphrased a tweet from somebody that suggested what the Raptors should do is they should uh, sign Fred, sign, sorry, let Fred walk, sign Trez, trade Pascal for depth, and then they're, uh, they're competing for a title. Um, that's obviously not the case. Oh. <laughs> that's a very bad idea. The depths of Raptors internet knows no bounds. Um, but, you know, you could probably squint and make an argument for the Raptors pursuing something like this. I think it probably starts with the half-court offense. The Raptors' half-court offense this season, of course, was a, was a problem spot, in particular against Boston in the playoffs. And, you know, while Montrezl Harrell maybe doesn't offer the playmaking that Marc Gasol did or the shooting that Gasol or Serge Ibaka in theory do, there's something to be said for that vertical spacing, that guy who can dive to the rim and make things easier on guards. I don't know, Lucas, you've seen Montrez play for, you know, three years now for the Clippers. If you are sort of crafting an argument for why it could work for the Raptors, we'll get into the money side of things in just a second, but just in terms of how it would work with the way the Raptors tend to play basketball, what is the argument? Can you find one? Yeah, so this is, this is devil's advocate, right? I don't think that the Raptors should get, I don't think it would be good for the Raptors to sign Montrez Harrell, Mm -hmm. but if I were to, like you said, craft the argument, I would say what you were saying in the first segment about Montrez being that rim runner, that lob finisher, the actual, the pick and roll guy who's actually going to dive to the rim or slip a screen and really just full head of steam for a dunk, right? Which Gasol and Ibaka at this stage in their careers are not going to do. Trez does bring that to you offensively. And then I think it has to be at a certain point, you just have to say, we believe that Nick nurse is going to get a buy-in on defense Mm. um, that doc rivers wasn't able to get from him. I don't know if, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think Trez is a particularly good defender, even when we saw him in like, you know, intense late game situations where he clearly was paying attention throughout the season. He wasn't even trying, but um, even in the playoffs, he wasn't trying, but at least late in games, he would lock in a little more and just be simply not very good on defense. I think you need to sell yourself on Nick Nurse getting a buy-in on Toronto. I will say, you, I think you and I agree on this. The Clippers might have some star defenders, you know, whatever, but Toronto is a better defensive team than the mm-hmm. Clippers are. And so perhaps playing in that system, he would look a little bit better. And maybe the last thing would be, Trez, one of the biggest issues with Trez is it's really hard. The league has kind of become a one big league Mm -hmm. and it is hard to play a like one big when that big is a bad defender. You can't hide bad defensive bigs like you used to be able to. Trez is mobile enough that you could potentially play him at the four. Mm -hmm. He just can't score from outside of three feet away from the rim. The Clippers, you know, Gortat, Zubats over the last few years, they haven't had another center who could space the floor next to Trez and let him play at power forward. Next to Mark Gasol or Serge Ibaka, I think you could maybe sell yourself on, oh, well, we can hide Trez on a weak wing from the other team and not worry about having a liability anchoring our defense. That is, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe you could get away with that. 
And I think just to expand on that as well, I mean, you know, if they bring in Trez, I honestly think it probably means there is no Baca or Gasol coming back to the team next season. And if that's the case, they might just be kind of going all in and, and on play, kind of playing small. And I know Harrell is nominally a center, even though he's like six seven, and, you know, maybe that's being generous to him. But, you know, if you're going small-ish and you can sort of switch across a few positions, you know, having... Siakam and OG Ananobi next to Harrell kind of, I think, might mitigate the issues that Harrell has a little bit. I mean, I think we saw some signs of growth as a rim protector from Pascal this season. Maybe he could sort of play sort of the, the de facto center in those in those lineups. You know, even OG looked damn good at center in, at times this season, for, you know, for large stretches of a game against Denver, actually guarded Nikola Jokic, which uh, obviously Montrez Harrell could not uh, in the playoffs. Mm, and yeah. so... I think you can construct lineups where, yeah, you could probably get away with having Harold out there, but yeah, you don't have the rim protection that uh, a Gasol or an Ibaka brings you for sure. And, you know, you're, you're just kind of the thing that has worked so well about the Raptors defense in the last couple of years since Gasol came in is that Gasol is very much the quarterback of the defense and he very much sort of calls out the coverages as he sees them. And they've been able to play this very sort of multiple defense where they can sort of switch things up on the fly possession by possession or in the middle of a possession, even just because you have a savant at the back there kind of directing things around. And, you know, obviously there are other very good defenders on the team outside of Marcus Saul and Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet and OG and Pascal are both amazing defenders as well. So maybe the collective IQ can kind of bring it up and sort of cover for Harold's deficiencies there. Um, and so that's, I guess the argument is, you know, that why he, while he would instantly become the worst Raptors defender in the main rotation, there's enough very good defense around him that maybe you can shelter it a little bit. And there's enough shooting ideally as well that you can kind of run just like a basic spread pick and roll around him. And you don't really worry too much about him not being able to stretch it from three because Pascal could do that from the corners. And OG was a very good three point shooter this season. And obviously we know what Kyle and Fred do as well. So that makes sense. The money side of things, we'll get into sort of the high end of what Montrez might cost and why that might put the Raptors out kind of from Jump Street. But if you're looking at sort of what the price range might be that the Raptors could get him and have it make sense, because again, keep in mind, this is a team that's very much trying to hoard cap space for summer of 2021, where they have designs on pursuing Giannis or any number of the big free agents who are out there. You know, I, I don't know. This is one of the reasons why I don't really think it's going to happen is because I don't see the Raptors wanting to tie up a lot of money going forward. And Montrez obviously is going to require more than a one-year contract, which maybe you can give to Ibaka or Gasol and they'll be happy with. And you kind of kick it down the road. Um, but you, Lucas, you're a salary cap friendly person. Uh, you, you know what you're talking about with this stuff. <laughs> if you're looking at the Raptors cap sheet and looking at sort of the other things they have to do, particularly Fred Van Vliet being the main priority, as Masai Ujiri himself has said so far this offseason, how does Trez fit in? Is it just like mid-level exception or kind of bust? Yeah, I think he's a little above the mid-level exception. And depending on what happens with some of these other guys, the Raptors look like they are in a position to have some money this year. Like you said, when it comes down to that summer of 2021, the cap sheet for the Raptors is wide open, but every little deal that you make cuts into it, right? So however much Fred is making uh, is going to cut into it, however much Trez is making is going to cut into it. And then, you know, you get to that point OG is a restricted free agent next summer. If you sign him to an extension, that cuts into your cap space, right? So the, the Raptors are, they have flexibility, but they want to be cautious to be certain. And I think that Trez probably has played himself into the Raptors price range uh, with his playoff performances. He's a guy who all year, the chatter was, 
Is he going to get 18 million a year? Is he going to get 20 million a year? Is someone like Atlanta before the Clint Capella trade going to come shell out 25 million a year? Uh, Cause this is a guy who's averaging, you know, 19 and seven and 28 minutes off the bench at 25 years old. And you're thinking, Hey, maybe he can come average like 24 and 10 for us next year as a starter. Right. Mm-hmm. Hit the playoffs exposed the deficiencies that I think anyone who was watching his regular season film would have already seen, but they exposed it on a big stage. I think now his price range is probably in 10 to 12 million. But so the point that you made about a potential one-year contract, when the Clippers last re-signed Trez, he was a restricted free agent. He didn't get offers on the market because he was restricted and teams knew the Clippers would match. They ended up bringing him back for two years, 12 million. And he was really vocally upset about not getting what he felt he deserved on social media. He fired his agents. He signed with Clutch Sports, which is, by the way, where all of these fabricated out of nothing rumors are coming from, <laughs> Clutch Sports trying to get their guy paid. And I, I, I think he's going to go for guaranteed money. I could see him taking less, a, a, like less annual salary for a longer deal to, if it means more like guaranteed money in front of him. I don't think he's going to just say like, oh, I'll take a one-year deal and, uh, and you know, go run it back next summer unless, right, it, it, all, it all depends because if it's one year, 20 million, and the most he's getting somewhere else is 336, well, okay, maybe, right? Maybe you say, I think I'm going to get that 16 million back if I have a good year this year. But yeah, I, I think he's going to be a guy that's looking for a long-term deal. I do think though that he's played himself down to like 10 or 12 million a year. Yeah, and if that if we get to that point, I mean, if the Raptors come in with like a mid-level exception offer, which is a little bit below that, uh, I think what like eight or nine million or something like that, you like know, nine and a half. Yeah, I mean, the Raptors are a franchise that has a lot of clout, and you know, they've won titles and they've been deep in the playoffs in recent years, and maybe that's enough for Trez to sort of compromise but at the same time like you know go get paid Trez like (laughs) there are some teams out there with cap space not a ton but like if the Knicks or something are gonna throw a ton of money at you just take it dude Uh, you should take it and run and be a very good number two option on a 28 win team which I've said all along I think that's what is sort of the the destiny for Montrez Harrell here unfortunately but um yeah, that's the sort of argument for why it could work. In a second, Lucas, we're going to dive into why this doesn't make sense and why it doesn't work. We've already touched on a few of those little notes, but we'll dive more into it in just a second. But first, I want to tell everybody about Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar you're ever going to try. And they have six brand new flavors out for you to try as well to join their original complement of 12 flavors. Some of the new flavors include cookies and cream, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp, while the original flavors include toffee almond, my favorite, mint brownie, peanut butter, banana bread, which is also very good as well. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat bars are low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber and they're great for keto diets as well a couple of the flavor profiles for you you've got the brand new cherry bar sia 17 grams of protein 130 calories that's so few calories four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs and the coconut almond one of the og flavors 18 grams of protein 180 calories five grams of sugar and five grams of net carbs and the best part about built bars and i can i can attest to this because i've had them before 
And I've had other protein bars as well. They're not like those gritty, chewy, just like really unpleasant tasting protein bars. They basically taste like a Mars bar. It's a, it's a perfect consistency and it's not going to require you put it in the microwave or something to heat it up so you can get it down your gullet. For right now as well, Built Bar is offering a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. So get on that right now. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 10 bucks off your next order. Take advantage of that cooler promotion. Again, promo code LOCKEDON for 10 bucks off at BuiltBar.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Lucas. So the list of reasons why it could work is sort of small and makes you squint. I think the list of reasons why Montrez Harrell to the Raptors makes no sense uh, is much longer. So we're going to run that off right now. Um, For you, just as someone who has watched Montrez Harrell and watched what happened in the postseason, I'm sure you can kind of relate in a way to a way that I have felt about an outgoing six man on the Raptors in the past. And that was Lou Williams back in 2015. He wins the uh, six man of the year averages nearly 20 a game wins the Raptors, a bunch of fun regular season games, including one in Cleveland, which I think endeared himself to Raptors fans forever. And he was famous for his patented end of quarter 28 footers uh, where he drove down the entire clock and took a shot and uh, more often than not missed it horribly. Um, The playoffs came around. He was very bad and was a big reason why the Raptors got swept by the Wizards and the Raptors did not even offer him a contract after he was kind of clamoring to re-sign with the Raptors. And they said, nope, goodbye. We're done with you. And he went and signed, uh, I think with the Lakers, if I'm not mistaken, he's played for a thousand teams. So (laughs) forgive me if I'm wrong, but that kind of Lucas feels a little bit like this Montrez Harrell situation. And I often find that, a good way to sort of get a read on a player is to just listen to what the smart fans of the team think about that player. And you're a smart fan of the Clippers, Lucas. I feel like you're probably on the side of let the dude walk and don't hit you. Don't let the ass hit him. Don't let the door hit him in the ass on the way out. And let's just move away from this instead of committing, you know, like you said, you know, 12 million bucks a year to a guy who really is not seemingly cut out for playoff basketball. Yeah. I mean, I think if Montrezl Harrell, I, I forget at what point it was. It might've been like halftime of game three against Denver. So before everything started being awful for the Clippers, right? I said to a friend who I was talking about the game, if you could tell me right now that Montrez Harrell will be a healthy scratch for the rest of the playoffs, walk in free agency and never be on the court for the team again, I would take the deal like ecstatic. That would be amazing. He is a good stats, bad team guy. And He got good stats on a good team this year in the regular season playing against second units. But a lot of times when he stayed in with the starters to close games, they would blow leads because he's so bad defensively. I'm just going to rattle off some numbers here. Um, The Clippers in the playoffs this season had a team worst minus 11.6 net rating with Montrezl Harrell on the court and a team best plus 15.6 net rating when Montrezl Harrell was off the court in the playoffs last year against the Golden State Warriors, mind you, who you guys ended up beating in the finals. Pretty good team, I think. Um, 
the Clippers, when Montrez Harrell did not play against the Warriors in the first round, had a plus 9.5 net rating. When he sat, or when he was playing, excuse me, they had a minus 22.7 net rate. <laughs> both, like, both on the extreme, uh, both years, the team has been at their best when he's on the bench, at their worst when he's on the court. Even for a guy who is you know, kind of an all-offense, no-defense guy, their offensive rating plummets when he comes on the court in the playoffs because he struggles so much with decision-making and playing against length. He is not a guy who's capable, as he like, catches the ball on the roll, and just goes full ahead of steam to the rim looking for a dunk. He is not capable of turning and throwing a pass to the open guy in the corner. So he gets a lot of shots blocked on, uh, in the playoffs when defenses are tuned in on, on him. He also struggles playing against length. And you get into the playoffs and you find a lot more lengthy help defense than you find during the regular season. In the last two years, 19 playoff games for the Clippers over the last two years. Montrezl Harrell has played 401 minutes. The Clippers have lost those 401 minutes by 146 points. He has sat for 516 minutes, and the Clippers have won those minutes by 142 points. And, you know, plus minus is not a perfect stat, but when I tell you that I've watched all of these games twice and he is the problem, like, he is the problem. And that's where I think it's not just, oh, we're going to scheme and hide him, because there is no... Look, you can scheme and hide a bad defender. I think the Clippers scheme and hide Lou Williams pretty effectively at times. Montrezl Harrell's not just a bad defender. He's an unwilling defender. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, like, Lou a lot of times tries and is just kind of small and kind of weak and kind of not aware of what's going on and breakdowns result from that. But he'll try or he'll gamble and get steals to try to make up for his breakdowns. Trez doesn't try. He's lazy. Uh, it, it's really, like, I think his performance defensively, especially, you know, regular season, a lot of guys aren't going at full speed, but for long stretches of play in the playoffs, just not trying, letting his teammates down, really embarrassing himself. Um, And I am so ready to never have to watch him play for the Clippers again. I cannot tell you. So basically what you're saying is that in the playoffs, the Clippers are the Joel Embiid Sixers, like the, the Sixers with Joel Embiid on the floor, uh, in the 2019 second round. And when he's on the floor, they are the Bobar Marjanovic centered Sixers in that second round series against the Raptors. Uh, that's, I think that's a pretty good correlation. Um, yeah, I think the defensive side of things, just like the, the lack of effort and stuff like that. I mean, that just screams like the least Raptorsy player I've ever heard in my life. Like, what do we talk about with the Raptors? It's everyone's a good defender. There's no bad defenders. Everybody offers something. And Nick Nurse is very much uh, keen to call people out when they don't offer something. I mean, he was calling out Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, whose whole thing is defense. He doesn't even have offense to supply. He was calling him out early on in the season for his lack of defense and not picking up on the schemes the Raptors run. And I just feel like the fit between style of player and what the Raptors tend to look for in the guys they bring in just doesn't make any sense to me between Harrell and and the team. It, it just put him in it as the center. I feel like you're just going to see all of the defensive sort of culture and chemistry and 
continuity you've built up over the last couple of seasons, I feel like that gets axed right away because there's a weak link in the chain and it's not just uh, you know, a, a wobbly sort of rusty weak link. It's like a, a paper link in a regular chain, um, which is a problem. And then on the offensive side of things, I mean, like we said in the last segment, maybe you could talk yourself into his pick and roll scoring ability, really kind of juicing the Raptors in the half court. And maybe it would, but it doesn't really seem to juice it in the way they need it most. The Raptors need creation on the ball they need guys who can you know create with the ball in their hands drive run a pick and roll drive against an isolation like that's what they need and Montrezl Harrell doesn't offer that and in fact if he's a guy who can't make those four on three reads on the short roll because you know for whatever reason he's just never kind of gotten that feel or whatever it is you're going to have teams throw everything they have at Kyle Lowry or Fred Van Vliet or Pascal Siakam if he's running a pick and roll with Montrez Harrell. And you're going to have those four on three situations that someone is going to be, Montrez Harrell will be inequipped to complete. And that is going to bog down your half court offense even more than it was against the Celtics in the second round or against good teams all season long. It feels like a way to just like divert where the problem is and just kind of focus it on one more sort of hyper weakness as opposed to just like a little bit of sort of ho-hum creation ability across the board. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's exactly it is that a lot of times when you play in the regular season, you know, teams aren't, their defense isn't quite as tailored to stop your weaknesses and force you, you know, to do things that you're not great at. And so Trez just dives to the rim and he gets dunks. But as soon as that defense tries to make him pass, he is not, I I think, first of all, he's not a great passer. I don't think his court vision is great and he's undersized. So, you know, a lot of times in there against bigger guys, he doesn't have the length to execute difficult passes, but I think also it's, it's a mindset thing. He's a selfish offensive player. He is looking for his own points, which is why, you know, it feeds into his defensive issues because he's always leaking out instead of trying to rebound. So the reason the team is so bad defensively on the court isn't just because he's a bad defender, but it's because they allow like a third of opponent misses to be offensive rebounded because your center is standing out the three point line, trying to leak out. And it's the same, you know, that selfishness translates into the half court offense where when he gets the ball, he wants to score. Like he is going for his numbers And that's the main thing to me that just feels not Raptors about this. It's not that he has a weakness defensively because you can cover for guys who have weaknesses defensively. It's that he is a, I'm going to get mine kind of guy. And the Raptors are not like the collection of guys that have been on the Raptors through this, like they just have not been a, I'm going to get mine kind of team. They have always been more team basketball focused. Yeah, it feels like the worst possible overcorrection to Marcus Saul not wanting to shoot and only wanting to pass <laughs> and setting yourself up for a whole bunch of other problems. And you mentioned the rebounding thing too. I mean, the Raptors were pretty bad rebounding this season as well. I believe they were bottom two or three in defensive rebounding rate. You you swap out one of Abaka or Gasol and you bring in Montrez Harrell to be your sort of go-to rebounding big. And I feel like you're asking for problems there as well. It's just, there's so many reasons why it doesn't make any sense. The last one, of course, is money. And, you know, again, we talked about maybe you can get them on a mid-level and that's okay. But we've talked a lot on this podcast in recent weeks. We had Blake Murphy on a couple of weeks ago to kind of go through the whole primer for the off season. And we've talked a lot about that 2021 summer and the need to thread the needle very delicately. So you have the cap space. And we've already talked in the last episode on Friday about Norman Powell already kind of being a bit of a wrench in those plans. If he decides to opt in for 2021, 2022, like that makes it more difficult. I don't know why you would go and add another thing 
to potentially complicate things. And, you know, maybe a deal that becomes immovable because Montrez Harrell is not a player who really sort of supports and drives winning on a good team, you know, when he's sort of tasked with being a bigger part of the thing, as opposed to just being a guy off the bench and beating up second units, as you mentioned, Lucas. And so it just feels like the benefit of ponying up the money that Montrez Harrell will probably command from some other team that is more desperate to throw money around to match to bring him in a again you're probably saying goodbye to Serge Ibaka and Marcus Saul like right away like it just doesn't make sense to bring those guys back in addition to having Harold on whatever money he's going to make and then you also make the Fred Van Vliet thing more difficult and you have the tax to worry about when it's a pandemic year and it's also a, probably a team that you're not really wanting to pay the tax for because you have designs of getting a superstar that you'll want to pay the tax to have on the team in 2021 so it's just it's it doesn't seem to line up time-wise. It doesn't seem to line up fit-wise. It doesn't seem to line up cap-wise. Do you have any other cap notes on why this is so difficult for the Raptors, Lucas? I mean, I think it's just a matter of if, if you're one of these teams that is angling for 2021, which the Raptors are, you know, Miami Heat or another team like that, why you, you have to make moves at either end of the spectrum, right? So giving Pascal Siakam his max extension – obviously right going and getting you know a young guy on a try and get a young guy on a value deal uh maybe like if they go after a backup center this year i don't have a name off the top of my head but sure sure (laughs) you you know a three-year minimum salary deal right and if he's good you've got a rotation piece locked in for next to nothing in that summer when you're trying to rebuild the roster, the Clippers in, you know, in landing Kawhi Leonard and Paul George last year did this, where they traded for Ivica Zubats, who is their starting center and quite good in that role, but they traded for him. And because of where his salary was set at, he was a restricted free agent last summer with like a $1.7 million cap hold. So the team was able to make these moves for Kawhi and Paul George while only setting aside less than $2 million for their starting center and then sign Zubots to a bigger contract last. And making moves like that, um, you know, Terrence Davis is a guy who kind of has a contract like that for the Raptors right now, where he will have a $2 million qualifying offer uh, in the summer of 2021. You got to make moves like that or bring in the big stars. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can't, you can't be in the middle because it's those 12 million, $15 million, $8 million contracts that really start to clog up cap sheets and limit flexibility. And you see teams like, uh, Portland is probably the best example of a team that in the last, you know, five, seven years has been unable to make moves to get better because they are constantly giving mediocre players, you know, 10, $12 million. Yeah. Like it feels, it's got extreme Hito Turgaloo energy to me. Uh, if the Raptors were to go through with Montrez Harrell or Damari Carroll, like Damari Carroll, you know, he would, he was hurting all that stuff and it, maybe it wasn't totally his fault, but you give that sort of big middle tier money to guys who are in free agency. You're always going to pay a premium for those guys because of the way the market bears itself out. And it's also a mercenary position center. Like what are the teams right now? Like the, the, the Lakers, they got Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee and they're just playing center. And yes, like Anthony Davis is conducive to playing center as well, but that's the sort of exception. And I think you saw, I think you see a few of those exceptions in the playoffs right now. You have the Heat, obviously. Bam Adebayo is transcendent. You'll pay that guy all the money in the world and you'll be happy to have him on your team because you can build a system around him on both ends of the floor. Same goes for Nikola Jokic. That's totally fine. Pay that dude a ton. Montrez Harrell is nowhere near the level of those sort of centers who make it worth building your team around them 
And if you're going to give him the type of money that, you know, you're not giving him the max or anything like that, but if you're giving him money that suggests he is, you know, one of your top three options on offense and a guy you have to kind of roll out there because you're paying him to be out there a ton, it just feels like you're setting yourself up to sort of inch closer to the treadmill of mediocrity, which the Raptors have avoided for a long time and they're very good at that. But it just feels like uh, one of those types of moves could kind of bring everything crashing down. Maybe that's hyperbolic, but it really feels like that's the type of move that really sort of sewers teams that otherwise want to try to maintain being good while also maintaining flexibility and development. Like that's what the Raptors have done so well. And those kinds of contracts make that really difficult to manage. So I think we've kind of summed it all up. I don't think either of us think the Raptors should go after this Lucas. Uh, and I'm glad yeah, well, you were I on the show to uh, help us go too, through it. But <laughs> <laughs> it would be, it would be nice if they did. Cause that would mean he, you know, getting him off the Clippers would be great, but realistically, this is just me having far too high of an opinion of Masai Ujiri and the Toronto mm-hmm. Raptors to think that they would do something like this. Uh, I, th- yeah. I think that it is the organization is too smart to make a mistake like this. I think there's lots of teams that aren't, or maybe teams even where the move is more justifiable, um, mm-hmm. but the Raptors, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I think this is just an agent leak trying to drum up some smoke leading into f- free agency. Look, man, the dream here is for the Pistons to blow the wad they were going to use on Fred Van Vliet on Montrez Harrell. And then <laughs> you get to watch the Raptors bludgeon him in pick and roll for the next however many years. Uh, Lucas, this was lovely. Thank you so much for coming on, man. It's always good chatting with you. Do you have anything you'd like to promote? Uh, yeah, you know, just 213hoops.com, independent home for Los Angeles Clippers coverage, as well as 213 Hoops, The Law of the Jam, the podcast, uh, you know, anywhere that you listen to this show, you can find it there as well if you're interested in hearing about what the Clippers are up to this summer. We will be talking about a lot of Raptors that we would like on the team because as it turns (laughs) out, those guys play pretty well with Kawhi Leonard. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um look i don't know if you got the money to throw at serge Ibaka. he deserves all the money in the world uh if you can go beyond yeah, the max he does. He's... It's, wor- it's worth it because he's a beautiful person um <laughs> and i i just want the best for serge Ibaka. and if the best is being the starting center on Kawhi leonard's team again then hey maybe that's fine uh we can cross that bridge when we come to it maybe i'll make an appearance on your podcast to talk about serge Ooh, that would uh, be a blast <laughs> yeah uh, but that's gonna do it for today's show thanks so much for tuning in uh check out lucas and all the great work going on over at 213 hoops you guys are doing a wonderful job very happy that site exists and is running and is successful and kicking ass um you can find me at woodley sean as i said you can find the show at lockdown raptors please subscribe rate review over there and uh that's about it we'll be back again on tuesday we're going to continue on with our 2019 20 season in review and uh we'll pick a name out of the hat not quite sure who we're going to talk about just yet but that'll be up on tuesday and until then have a good one we'll talk to you with another episode tomorrow of locked on raptors Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.